When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a special guest, Dr. Ivan Meisner. He's the founder and chairman of BNI, that's Business Networking International, He's the author of multiple books, including Masters of Networking, Networking Like a Pro, Truth or Delusion, Busting Networking's Biggest Myths, and his upcoming book, which we're really curious about, Ivan, Business Networking and Sex, Not What You Think. So, the father of modern networking and the networking guru is with us today. Ivan, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be on the show. It's great to have you here. So where are you today? I'm actually at BNI headquarters today. I've been on the road uh, quite a bit. I'm headed to Israel uh, in a few days, so uh, oh, wow. I-, I keep on the road. We, have, we presently have uh, 6,100 groups in almost 50 countries around the world, so I travel quite a bit. Oh, I bet you do. So e- even in the Middle East, huh? We do, yeah. We have chapters in the United Arab Emirates and uh, in Israel. Fantastic. So where did you start BNI? Let's talk about Business Networking International, which is the largest business networking organization in the world. Where did you you start this? Why did you start this? Yeah. Well, uh, BNI, which is is, uh, the trademark for the company, uh, it stands for Business Network International. uh, I started in Southern California. Uh, I was a uh, business consultant. Uh, my doctoral work is in organizational behavior, and I was looking for some referrals for my consulting practice. And I, I'd like to tell you that I had this vision of an international organization, but the truth is I needed some referrals. And I put together some people who I trusted. They trusted me. Uh, we got together. We started referring each other, and someone came who couldn't join because of a conflict. In B&I, we take only one person per profession mm-hmm. in one of our groups. And so there was a conflict, and she said, would you help me open up my own group? And I'm like, eh, I don't really do this. You know, I'm a business consultant. And, and she said, this is sort of a form of consulting. And so I said, okay, and we opened up a second chapter, and people came to that group who couldn't join, and we opened a third and fourth group. And then uh, by the end of the year, we ended up having 20 chapters. And it was really at that point that I looked back uh, every year uh, in, in between uh, Christmas and New Year's, I take the week off and and I just sort of, you know, I would go someplace. Now I have a house up in the mountains. I go up there, and I just kind of reflect back, you know, what happened last year? What do I want to do next year? And I did that, and I realized that I had struck a chord in the business community that I didn't expect. And I realized that we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. And so I made a decision that this was a direction that I wanted to go. 
and uh, we started to grow the organization, and uh, the rest is sort of history. Now we now have 6,100 groups in almost 50 countries. That is amazing, quite an accomplishment. Well, you know, it is said that we often teach what we need to learn the most. How does that relate to you? Well, that's uh, spot on. Uh, you know, I, I needed to learn how to build my business through referrals. But I was a business consultant, and I didn't want to tell people I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> that doesn't look good when you're a consultant. And you're, I, don't know, I don't know how to do this. And so uh, I just kind of uh, dove in. And, and I said, okay, so I don't know how to do this. I need to learn how to do it better. I'm going to kind of create it in a, a format that I feel comfortable with. Because I was, I was in a lot of different networking groups, and I didn't like the way they operated. And, and I wanted something that was, uh, you know, a little smaller, more intimate, uh, but structured and organized. And so I created a system that fit, you know, what I thought would be uh, effective. And, um, and I, you know, I didn't tell people, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of making this as I go along. But I wrote everything down, ah. and, I, and I watched at what worked and what didn't work. And when things didn't work, I threw it out, and I tried new ideas, and when they worked, I put them in. And so I gradually created the system through trial and error um, that works very, very well and works now all around the world. I mean, if you go to a BNI meeting in the Middle East or you go to a BNI meeting in North America or you go to a BNI meeting in Asia, you're going to see the, the same meeting. You may not understand the language, but it's, you can recognize exactly what's going on because it's the same all around the world. And so you found the tried-and-true methodology that can apply no matter where you are, no matter who you are. So let's talk about networking in relation to the concept of leadership. Yeah. You know, people move into leadership roles often because they're technically very good at what they do, um, not necessarily because they're good leaders, um, but also because of who they know, right? What is important in leaders? What is important in terms of networking with leaders? Well, you, you use the phrase who they know. Um, and you know the old expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I don't think it's either of those. I think it's, it's, not, it's not what you know or who you know. It's, it's how well you know them that mm-hmm. counts. It's all about or how well you know each other that counts. Because just having a, uh, a great uh, database of names you know, isn't of much value unless you can actually pick up the phone, make a call. They, the person would actually take your call. And they'd be willing to help you do whatever it is that you need. That, that's, that's a connection that's powerful. And so it's really about, I think, building uh, relationships with people. That's what makes a, a good networker. Now, as for a good leader, I, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, and, and, and I studied briefly under Warren Bennis while I worked on my doctoral degree at USC, and I'm sure you know who Warren is. Uh, for your listeners, uh, you know, pick up almost any book on leadership, and if he didn't write it, he's in the index. Right. Um, he's, he's well known. And I had an opportunity to see him again recently at a presentation he did at the University of Laverne. I'm on the board of trustees there. And um, he did this presentation at, at the University of Laverne. It was very interesting because... He talked about a concept that he didn't talk about when I studied under him, but I think it's, it's really right on the mark in this day and age. He said, uh, look, uh, university, you've got a new president that you've just selected. 
and we all kind of nodded in the audience, and he said, uh, you really went through a long search process, and you feel really good about who you've picked. And we all nodded. And he said, uh, and, and she's really doing her homework about the school, isn't she? And we all nodded. And he said, and when she starts on day one, she's going to be really well-prepared and ready to go. And we all nodded. And he looked at us, and he said, you're all crazy <laughs> if you think she's going to be ready on day one. Because there, there is, um, when you come into a role this big, and for her, you know, this is a, this is a big step up. For us, it's a, maybe a different step. But when we're expanding into a new role, um, there are challenges that we're faced with that nobody ever conceived of. And he said the true leaders today, and I love this concept, have an adaptive capacity. Their ability to adapt to challenges and problems determine their, uh, their success in this day and age. Because we live in a, a time of great change. Um, uh, uh, I think you've met, you, you know, Mark McCurgow uh, in TLC. Yes, yeah? yes, yes, yes. Love Mark. Love Mark. And Mark's got some great content about change and leadership, and he talks about what's called Rutenso. You should bring him on. Uh, we've had him on. Yeah. You have. Did he talk about Rutenso? He did. Yeah, well, I, I love that, that, that concept, you know, that change is happening all the time and that you've got to identify the direction that, you're, that, that you want to go in and look for what's working, not what's, what's wrong, and that's based right. on a book he wrote called Solutions Focused, and that small actions start with things quickly. And that's really, I think, what Bennis is talking about, that your ability to adapt – uh, your capacity to adapt to change and to challenges uh, really determines your skills as a true leader. Hmm. Well, and so it, it, adaptability would require also the capacity to create good relationships so that you can learn more, right? Yeah, good relationships are key. Uh, that's part of what I would call the contextual intelligence. Um, you know, you understand the context, and the context always involves people. You know, the world would be much easier if there weren't people around. But <laughs> you got There are people around, and so you got to. That context of the relationships is uh, key. And relationships, I think, a lot of times uh, people don't understand um, what I call the VCP process of relationship building. And this is particularly. Well, this is particularly relevant in terms of re- referrals because I teach people how to, you know, build relationships where you have a, a, right. a referable relationship. So VCP stands for visibility, credibility, profitability. It's a chronological process. You begin with visibility and move through credibility to get to profitability. Uh, visibility is where people know who you are and they know what you do. Mm. Credibility is where people know who you are. They know what you do, and they know you're good at it. Now, they may know you're good at it because uh, maybe they've used your business or more likely they know people who know you and you have a good reputation, and so you've established credibility in the community. And only when you've gotten to credibility can you get to profitability where people uh, refer to you on an ongoing basis. Now, inside a corporate context that profitability might be, uh, they go to you for advice, or they refer people to you to help you. In a in a, a entrepreneurial environment, it's generally referral based. 
So they, somebody knows you're really good at what you do, so they refer business to you. Right. Or you need something, and so they refer somebody to you to provide a product or service. And that's what I'm talking about with profitability. You're in a relationship where people are willing to refer you in one way or another. Uh, where networking goes bad is where people try to jump ahead. Hmm. Right? When, when you meet somebody for the first time, hi, Cheryl, my name's Ivan. You know what? We should be doing business. And, and you try to jump over visibility, you try to jump over credibility, you want to get right to profitability. Um, they're actually, when people do that, they're actually at a fourth stage I haven't mentioned yet that comes before visibility. It's called invisibility. <laughs> and if they're really, and if they're, and if they're really uh, uh, annoying, which sometimes people are at networking things, they're, they're at irritability where they're just plain irritating and they want to do business and you don't even have a relationship with them. Yeah. I call this uh, premature solicitation, <laughs> which you don't want to say fast three times. It'll get you in trouble. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, so, so what happens, you see, I think here's where networking really goes wrong. And if you want to, if you want to be a, a, truly a leader at, at, at networking, you have to understand um, what I call the, the networking disconnect. And here's, here's, um, what the networking disconnect is. I did a presentation in Europe uh, last summer, and uh, I had 500 people in the audience, and I asked everybody there, I said, uh, how many of you are here today hoping, these were mostly entrepreneurs, I said, uh, how many of you are here today hoping just possibly, you know, you might sell something? Raise your hand. And almost everybody raised their hand. Yeah, that's why I'm here. You know, that's the networking event. I said, great. How many of you are here today hoping to maybe buy something? Raise your hand. And nobody <laughs> raised their hand. Not one single person raised their hand. And Cheryl, that's the networking disconnect. People show up to networking events all wanting to sell, and nobody's there to buy. Wow. And so that's the wrong reason to network. You want to you wanna network effectively. It's really important to show up build, to build relationships to move through the VCP process, to first be visible, then create credibility, and then move to profitability. Well, that makes so much sense. It also explains why the word networking brings terror into the eyes and into the body of everybody, not everybody, but many, many people that I have met over time who just say networking and then tag it with, I hate this stuff. Right. Well, it's, because, it's because most people use networking as a, a face-to-face cold calling opportunity. Right, right, and right. Nobody likes that. And nobody likes that. Absolutely. Well, and, and so there, as you have discovered, and as you have created and offered out into the world, you know there are very specific ways to do this. And I love this VCP process. It is easy for people to understand and easy to then um, know why you're there and what you're doing. I want us to get a little bit into some of the specific behaviors that then promote that, that make those, those stages easy. And we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk all about that. We'll be right back.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Dr. Ivan Meisner today, the founder and chairman of BNI and the author of many, many books. The One of your books, Ivan, is Truth or Delusion, Busting Networking, Networking's Biggest Myths. Yeah. You know, you, you um, have addressed some of those with us in our first segment. Let's talk about some of the actual behaviors that people have to um, demonstrate in order to be successful with the whole visibility, credibility, profitability stages. You know, I mean, you've talked about um, people moving too fast, you know, walking into a room thinking they're going to sell something before they even know anybody. Um, So what, what behavior should somebody be living into? All right, so I'm going to give you one. You mentioned truth or delusion. Let me give you one out of truth or delusion that'll that'll um, uh, surprise you. I think because okay. it seems like I'm coming from a different angle, but we'll end up in a very similar place. Okay. One of the items in truth or delusion, and tr- the way we did truth or delusion is we wanted to kind of bust myths about networking, and and so we asked a question or made a statement. And we said, "Is this truth or is this delusion?" And then we would give the answer, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we started off by just listing there were like 52 different truths or delusions statements, and where you could take a test: is this truth or is this delusion? Mm. So one of them is you can network anywhere, anytime, any place. You can network anywhere, anytime, any place, even at a funeral. And the answer is truth. Sure. But because most people go, oh my god, at a funeral, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> So, so, so here's here's the, here's the answer though. The answer is yes. It's absolutely okay to network anywhere, anytime, anyplace, even at a funeral. But first, you have to understand that you must always, always honor the event. You must always honor the event. So, walking around at a funeral, passing out your business cards is probably not a good idea, right? <laughs> but here's the second thing, and here's where we come full circle. You have to understand what we consider to be networking. To us, networking is about relationship building. It's about moving through the VCP process, which we talked about in the first segment. And right. so if, if relationship building, if networking is about relationship building, 
then uh, relationship building is really about finding ways, the best way to build a relationship. You want to build a friendship with somebody? Uh, help them. Mm-hmm. Support right. them. Right. Well, you know, our best friends love us even though they know us. Right. Right? And so it's about building that kind of relationship with people, that kind of professional relationship with people where, you, where they know you and trust you. And so if networking is about helping people, which I believe it is, then how could it possibly be wrong to network anywhere? As long as it's about really helping. Now, when I say helping, I don't mean, let me help you by selling you my product. Right. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about genuinely helping other people. In, in social capital theory, this is called the law of reciprocity. Mm. In social capital theory, this is called the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity is a transformational law, not a transactional law. Uh, my friend, Dr. Wayne Baker, who wrote the book uh, Success Through Social Capital, told me um, the transactional networking is a little like coin. He calls it coin-operated networking. Huh. Coin-operated. I'm going to put the coin in, give me the candy. Okay? If, if you're networking like that, here's, here's what I got, now, now reward me then that doesn't work in the long run in building a networking relationship. Instead, it has to be a transformational process. Um, and, and so with, with, in BNI, we talk about this in the sense of giver's gain, that if you give business to people, you'll get business in return. And it might not come from that person. It might come from someone else. So that the sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts. So by everybody working together to support one another, you end up generating more business for everybody. And this is transformational, not transactional. And so if you look at it from that perspective, then you can, in fact, network anywhere, anytime, anyplace, even at a funeral, as long as your purpose and your focus is to help people, not to take from people mm-hmm. or just make money from people. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who love helping others, and, um, and then there are people who don't quite know how to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and some of that, I think, is a bit about personality style. You know, it's not just never having learned to help people, but maybe personality style. Are there different personalities that do this better than others? Absolutely, uh, there are. But, you know, you can, let's just start with, like, the simplest of looking at behavior profiles. Um, extrovert versus an introvert. Mm-hmm. Everybody assumes that an extrovert is going to be a better networker. And the, the truth is um, that, okay, so extroverts are really good at meeting people. They can walk up and talk to a stranger. Right. But here's the problem with an extrovert. They can't shut up. <laughs> right? They, they, they talk and talk and talk and talk, but they don't listen. A good networker has two ears and one mouth mm. and uses them both proportionally. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got to be paying attention to what people have to say. And so the problem with an extrovert is that they have, they don't, it doesn't come natural for them to ask questions and then be quiet. Mm. But yet a good networker does that. And so an extrovert is great at meeting people, but they have to develop the skill set of listening, asking the right questions and then listening. Now, let's flip that. An introvert. Introverts have a really difficult time meeting people. Uh, they're uncomfortable meeting people strangers, new people, Um, but they're really good at listening. Hmm. And so extroverts have to work on the second part, 
which is developing the skill set of listening. Introverts have to work on the first part, uh, which is you know getting out there and actually getting in front of people. Uh, but they're pretty good at listening, and that's a skill set that comes fairly natural to introverts. So both introverts and extroverts can be good at networking, but they have to develop the skill sets in the area where they uh, may have a natural weakness, and then they run with the areas that they have a natural strength. It occurs to me, I'm thinking about clients that I have in my executive coaching practice and leaders who, um, are, who present in this same way need to actually develop their skills in this same way. You know, there are oftentimes leaders get promoted. Um, many people who get promoted into leadership roles are extroverts because they make themselves known and they make it known what they do well. And yet their capacity for listening isn't always the best. No. So it occurs to me that some of the same skill development would be important. The flip side of that would also be important people who are introverted in and working in organizations doing great work but don't tell anybody about it or don't get noticed because other people are talking more loudly, mm-hmm. they would need to learn you know, how to um, espouse what they're doing. Yeah. All of this is all part of what uh, is known as emotional intelligence. And um, I, I would uh, urge uh, your listeners to... Um, uh, read up a little bit on the concept of emotional intelligence and, and EQ. Um, you know, somebody might hire you because of your IQ. They think you're really smart. But the truth is you tend to get promoted because of your EQ, your emotional quotient, your ability to interact effectively with other people. And uh, even introverts can do this. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of people who are what are called um, um, situational extroverts. Right. They might be an introvert uh, by nature, but they come across as an extrovert on uh, specific situations that under certain conditions they come across, particularly in areas of their expertise where they're an expert. They come across as uh, an extrovert, even though they might generally uh, have introverted tendencies. Hmm. Could we be talking to one, Ivan? (laughs) Yes, Yes, as a matter of fact, you are. Did you read that article I wrote, or did you just take it a guess? (laughs) I, I, I wrote an article... Uh, called OMG, I'm an introvert. And uh, <laughs> wow. uh, it happened because, uh, and this is just a couple of years ago, I came to this real- realization. Uh, I was having dinner at home with my wife. You've met my, my beautiful bride, yeah, Beth. Beautiful and and uh, we were having dinner, and the kids were out. They were finishing up high school, and they had some drama class thing at night, and it was just us. It was really nice. Two of us at home having dinner, and we're talking. And I said something to her. I can't remember what it was I was even talking about. And I said, oh, honey, you know me. I'm such an extrovert. And she looked at me and she said, um, yeah, not so much. <laughs> what? She said, you're not an extrovert. I'm like, get out. I am too an extrovert. She said, okay, whatever you say, honey. <laughs> if that's what do you think? I'm like, what do you mean if that's what I think? I, I, I'm an extrovert. She said, yeah, you're really not. And I'm like, wait a minute. I run the world's largest networking organization, the world's largest face-to-face networking organization. I am an extrovert, okay? <laughs> you know, that's what you think. I'm like, no, they, 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 you know, I am. She said, well, she said, she said look, you know, there are, certain, there are certain things that you do that are absolutely uh, like an introvert. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm a best-selling author. I, 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 I'm a keynote speaker. I am not an introvert. I took exception to it. I, I'm, I was offensive, you know. I'm right. not an introvert. And so she started walking through all this things that I do that are indicative of an introvert because she'd been reading about it. 
And, and she's running through this whole list. I'm like, okay, that sounds a little like me, and that's a little like me. And then she hit one, boy, that just hit the nail right on the head. She said, introverts have a tendency to recharge their batteries by being alone. Yeah. Okay, they, you know, now my wife's a total extrovert. She recharge, you take her out to a party, she comes back, she's all charged up. Right. Um, and, and extroverts recharge their batteries by being social. Introverts recharge their batteries by being alone or, you know, with people like family. And I thought, okay, well, that hits home. So I'm now mad that I'm an <laughs> introvert. So I go into my office at home, and, and I look up on Google for some tests, and I find some tests on there. And I take this test that says, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, I hit enter, and I'm, I'm going to show her. And it pops up and says, congratulations, you are an introvert. And I'm like, what? I'm what? It says you are a situational extrovert. And this is where I learned about situational extroverts. You're a situational extrovert where when you're talking about a subject that you know well, you come across as an extrovert. But if you're left to your own devices or you're in with people that you don't know real well, you come across completely as an introvert. Go apologize to your wife now. It didn't say that, but I did. Um, and, I, and so there are a lot of people out there that are situational extroverts that may not come across like that. Uh, under normal circumstances, uh-huh. but they can step uh-huh. up in their area of expertise. That is fascinating. And I can imagine that not only you were surprised by that, but other people were very surprised when they read your article about that because they have experienced you as that situational yeah. extrovert all over the world. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people that were surprised about it. I, I wrote a, a blog about it. If, if, if your listeners want to um, go read that blog, it's, it's, it's on my blog, businessnetworking.com, and, and do the OMG, I'm an introvert. And I tell uh, the story in much more detail, but I had an epiphany, and I talk about it in my blog. I had an epiphany, and that was the kind of organization I started. I mean, I could have started a network uh, of any kind. I could have done big, big events, you know, right. lots, big mixers with lots of people, but I felt uncomfortable. Uh, I'm still, you know, to this day, I'm uncomfortable just walking up to a stranger and introducing myself. Mm. Um, and in big events, I'm uncomfortable introducing myself to strangers. Mm. And so I started a network that had one person per profession. We met every week, and we built, built relationships with each other. That, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's what an introvert would do. Um, I go to events, and I have my directors have uh, somebody walk me around and introduce me. And I used to say, well, it's because it's easier to meet people. But the truth is, I was uncomfortable meeting people. Mm. And so I had this epiphany as to why I kind of started the type of organization that I can. So, listen, if I can do this and I have introverted tendencies, anybody can be good at networking. You don't have to be an extrovert to be good at networking. Well, and I know that the people listening to this today, you have filled their hearts with hope because (laughs) there are many, many introverts that are sitting and listening to this today who are saying, oh, my God, he is running one of the largest networking organizations in the world, and he is that successful. Maybe there's hope for me. And, you know, there is, and there are techniques that you can do. Here's one that I, I've been teaching. It was funny. I, I was teaching this before I realized I was one. For introverts, um, act like a host, not a guest. Uh, Dr. Adele Sheely wrote a book years ago called Skills for Success, and in there she talks about acting like a host, not a guest. Yes. Yeah. And I love that technique, and, and I tell people, act like the host. Now, okay, so introverts have a hard time, you know, acting like a host. At a, so I say to them, don't act like the host, be the host. Be the host, yeah. Yeah, what you do is you go to, let's say it's a chamber of commerce. Go to the chamber, ask to be the ambassador. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's your job to yep. be the host. 
Now what you do is you stand up in front as people are walking through the door, and you have a big badge on that says, your name, Ambassador. And you say, welcome to the XYZ Chamber. It's a pleasure having you here. I'm the, an ambassador. I just wanted to welcome you to the chamber meeting. Um, you know, you check in here. You can go over there and meet people. Drinks are over there. If there's any particular professions that you'd like to meet, let me know. I'd be more than happy to introduce you to people. Now you become a connector. And it's easier to do that when it's your job. If it's your, and that's what she talks about. It, you know, how often are we uncomfortable introducing ourselves to a total stranger at our own party at our own home? Oh, you're not. Yeah, you're not. that doesn't happen, right? No, because you're the host, right? So she says, act like the host. I say, be the host. So volunteer to be like at a chamber, be the ambassador at a group like BNI, be the visitor host. Different organizations have different roles where that's their job. So when you're in one of those organizations, volunteer for that and then be a connector. You don't have to sell anybody anything. It's all about visibility and credibility. Nothing builds credibility faster than you connecting somebody. You know, if they say, you know, I'm looking for the local Citizens Bank guy. Do you you have, is there a member here of the chamber with Citizens Bank? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I know him. Would you like to meet him? And then you make that introduction. That builds your credibility because you're now being a connector and you can put people in touch with other people. Powerful technique and it's great for introverts. It's a great technique, and I happen to know it works. Being a situational extrovert myself, which took me a long time to get people to understand about me because they didn't see me that way at all. They mm-hmm. saw me as an extrovert. That's how they experienced me out in the world. And um, But I realized that just like you, when I'm in an organization, I am much happier when I have a role to play. So whether I'm keynoting or presenting or running some part of the event, uh, if I have a role, I am much more confident and comfortable in reaching out to other people there. And um, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to learn how to move and navigate that way. And rumor has it that men and women actually have different needs around this. So we're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to talk about business networking and sex. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
800-242-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Our guest today is Ivan Meisner. So, Ivan, networking and men and women. Yeah. Let's talk about why this matters. Should we think about networking differently when we're meeting men versus meeting women? What, what's the story here? Well, I, yeah, listen, there's, the genders are different, and we have different perspectives on on business and on many things. And my co-authors and I, uh, with the, this book, Business Networking and Sex, not what you think. It's not about. It's really not about sex. It's about gender. But business networking and gender just doesn't sound as exciting. <laughs> so, you know, we we started wondering what you know what are the differences between men and women and how they network. And so what we did was we we weren't sure. We had some ideas, but we weren't sure. So we did a survey, and we had twelve thousand people from all over the world take the survey. Wow. And and it was just you know basic questions about how much time do you spend networking and. You know, what, what kind of percentage of business do you get from networking? And, um, and, and, we, and we didn't ask it based on gender. We just asked these questions, and then we compared and contrasted by gender. And, um, and there were, as you might suspect, there were differences. Now, what's interesting is that the differences aren't as dramatic as one might think overall. It's like Mars and Venus, when it comes to business and, and networking, Mars and Venus aren't two different planets. They're like two different cities in the same county. Okay? They're, they're actually fairly close, but there's a lot of statistically uh, significant differences uh, between men and women and how they network. And let's, let's start with VCP. And, and I haven't shared this on any show. So, like, you're the first person I've talked to uh, about right. this. Um, and, and, and we haven't published this material yet. Uh, but well, we're about, honored. Yeah. Well, let's talk about VCP. Um, so one of the theories we had going into this was that um, – it was possible. We weren't sure, but we thought that women might have a tendency more than men to go from visibility to credibility and get caught up in credibility and not close the deal. And that was based mostly on anecdotal evidence. And we didn't know. And we thought that men, again, based on anecdotal evidence, thought men would more likely than women would have a tendency to go from visibility right to credibility. I mean, right to profitability, to try to jump over credibility. Oh. Right? And, and guess what? The data played out that way. Really? That, yeah, women are more likely than men, and the difference isn't huge, but it's different, and it's statistically significant. Women, more likely than men, get caught up in credibility and uh, have struggle a little more with getting to profitability. And men, more likely than women, tend to go from uh, uh, visibility, jump over credibility, and get right to profitability. And I love this. My, my co-author, one of my co-authors, Hazel Walker, <laughs> she stands up on stage and she says, um, men, going from visibility right to profitability, ladies, we've dated these men. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that, so that anecdotal evidence kind of, you know, the, the data supports that anecdotal evidence a little bit. And, and we think it's a little bit interesting. And so what's the benefit here? You know, why, did, why is this important, which is kind of where you started with the question, why do we need to know this? I think we need to know men. It's really about building that credibility, especially when you're dealing with a woman. Right. That credibility and that professional relationship is important. And ladies, you've got to ask for the sale. Just because they like you as a person doesn't mean they're going to do business with you. And well, so, 
so these are some of the kinds of things that we found, and we have a whole, lots and lots of ideas that we've come up with as a result of this massive survey. And, and so I, I imagine also there, there's more nuance even deeper than that, and it would be that what is defined as credibility may be different for women versus men. Because I mean, yeah. I can think about how um, I have met um, some men. Well, actually, anybody, uh, whether it's a male or female, if they, if one of the first things they do is start listing all of their accomplishments, I find myself nodding my head and going, "Oh God," <laughs> because I mean, it's nice. It's good to know that they're successful, and when people lead with that. And they may be thinking they're building their credibility with me. Um, I, I tend to not feel impressed, whether I should be or not. Right? It's just something. The edge is taken off there. So, so, and I, my guess is, since men tend to be accomplishers, that listing those accomplishments would be important, and they may see that as a way to build credibility. Is that true? It's very true. I did an interview uh, for the book, and um, it was uh, somebody who does uh, a lot of sports um, training, a woman, and and her story fits exactly what you're describing. Uh, and there is there are some definite differences between men and women and how they introduce themselves. She said uh, she, this uh, guy was uh, watching her do the exercises, and he said, "Wow, you really." Um, you're really very good at what you do. And she said, well, you know, I'm, uh, this is what I do for a living. And he said, uh, do you think you could show me a few things and help me out here? Because uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've kind of been out of the uh, weightlifting room for many, many years, and I need to get back in. And she said, yeah, sure, I'd be glad to do that. So, so what do you do? And, and she meant, what, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing in the exercise machines? And he goes, oh, well, I'm the CEO for this company. And he starts going, oh, what he does? And she laughed because she said, she said, I could tell you one story after another where I'm talking to somebody uh, and, and I may say something uh, and, and about, you know, what are they doing here or what is this? And they launch into what they do professionally. And so men have a tendency to look at themselves from what they do professionally. And women tend to answer that question uh, differently. Right. Um, relationships they define differently. I'll give you another example. Here, and this was based on an interview we did. Um, one... <laughs> So here, I'll put you on the spot. Do you feel you have, you, Cheryl, do you yes. have a relationship with your dry cleaner? Uh, kind of. <laughs> okay. Almost every man that we asked that question to said no. Mm. Every woman, every woman I have asked either said yes or kind of. Mm-hmm. Every woman I've asked says yes or kind of. Men view uh, their dry cleaner as a transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a transaction. I take it off, they, you know, I drop the stuff off, they clean it, they give it back, I give them money, and that's a transaction, and I don't have a relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. Women view that, are much more likely to view that as a relationship of some kind. And I was talking to one an expert on networking, Susan Rowan, good friend of mine. And Susan says, are you kidding? A relationship? I know her husband's name. I've met her husband. I, you know, I've been to their house for parties. And <laughs> yeah, one, of the, one, of the, one of their members of the family passed away, and they invited me to the funeral. And I'm like, yeah, I have a relationship with my dry cleaner. Like most men, it's a transaction. Sure. And so you're right. Uh, there are some real differences in how they define relationships. The difference between men and women and how they define relationships. Well, what are some of the other things we should know about this? 
Uh, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of things. Here's here's one thing that we found that was really really interesting. We asked, how did you learn? What was your skill set? How did you learn your skill set at networking? Mm. And we gave them different options to choose from, like uh, reading books, uh, having a mentor, taking seminars, uh, participating in networking organizations, and learning how to network by 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 active learning in networking organizations, uh, or just winging it, just kind of winging it. Okay, so those were most of the, the, the ways. There were, there were others. Okay, so women scored higher in every single category but one. Women took more seminars. Women read more books. Women, uh, you know, went to more trainings, used networking programs to learn how to network effectively, had mentors. Men ranked highest in only one category. We just go out and do it. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> and, you know, you look at stuff like this and, and you think, oh, really? I mean, I wanted to do this book. I didn't, I didn't want it to be another man-bashing book, right? Yes. You know, uh, no. But I've got to tell you, based on the data, women really are better at this. Overall, statistically speaking, score better in most ways uh, it, for effective networking than the men do. And so there's a lot that we can learn. I think we've gotten a little fat and happy with networking. We just assume we're good at it. And listen, we're, and the difference between men and women aren't great. It's not huge, but it's statistically significant. It, there is a difference. And women are getting more business and spending less time in their networking than men. Well, that's fascinating because if you think about um, a lot of the big deals that get done, and I'm talking about finance deals, company deals, etc. Um, oftentimes, these are people who have done some sort of business together even many years ago. They are people who, who often are men who maybe have... Um, alumni connections, um, they travel in the same circles. I mean, I see this happening all the time, and it tends to happen frequently with men, uh, and they say, well, here's this guy, here's his name, this is what he's done, and, you know, that, that builds credibility right there. They take the name, they go have a conversation, boom, they're in the middle of a business deal. And it happens so frequently and so fast, and I can't believe that these people actually have what I would call a relationship. Well, the, the data, the data disagrees a little with with what you're describing. Uh, it really uh, indicates that women uh, are getting a higher percentage of business through referrals than men are. Again, it's not a dramatic difference, but it is a difference. It's several percentage points different between men and women in the amount of business that they're generating through the referral process. Uh, you, you mentioned alumni associations, uh, for example. I don't know if you know this, but you know, I sit on the board. For, I mentioned this uh, for the Board of Trustees for a university here in Southern California, and I believe the number uh, right now is about 60% of the um, uh, people at the university are women. 60, 63%. So it's, it's almost two-thirds uh, in an undergraduate college program are women, oh, not men. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's a higher percentage of women going to college. You see a growth in uh, women-owned businesses, which has been yeah. uh, a trend since the 80s. Yes. 
And so I think what you see happening is uh, more and more women becoming uh, much more active. And, and it was almost, you know, I hadn't thought about this. I should, the book, the final manuscript hasn't gone back in. I should probably throw this in. You mentioned uh, in the beginning of the interview, I forget the, the, the phrase you used, but it was like, isn't it sort of, if you don't know how to do it, you learn, you teach it yourself? Right. I think women are doing that to some extent. They're, they're, they're really going out and learning how to network, and men are having this tendency to say, well, we're men. You know, we, we know how to network. Mm. And uh, the, the numbers don't defend that as a strategy for building your business through referrals. Well, and that actually may speak to some of what is shifting in our society and the expectations around relationships and some of the what has been called uh, what has been coined in the last few years as um, feminine leadership, right? Yeah. Um, the feminine, not meaning necessarily gender, but more of the feminine characteristics around relationship and connecting and listening, etc., um, in leadership and in, in the way you navigate the work world. So talk to us. We have a well, can I, let me just talk about that for one second. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, the, sort of the feminine uh, perspective. I, I would look at this book in many ways as uh, being two primary approaches to networking. One is transactional and one is relational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have seen very clearly throughout the survey that we did that the relational approach, whether you're a man or a woman, the people who have a relational approach to building their business through referrals, through networking, are more successful right. than those who have a transactional approach. Right. And that men tend to be more tra- tend to be a bit more transactional than relational. They're more likely to be transactional than women are. Again, it's not a huge difference between them, but the, the men are more likely to be slightly more transactional than women are. So, you know, if you're doing it on a, whether you call it gender or not, relational tends to work more effectively than transactional right. when it comes right. to networking. It makes perfect sense, perfect sense. So we just have a couple minutes left, and I know you have some thoughts about leadership. Yeah, we started talking about leadership. I think it's a great bookend to the interview to, to end talking about leadership. And, you know, I run a networking organization with 140,000 people, 50 countries. I have almost 2,000 people who work for the company. And so I definitely have some opinions on leadership. I think, I think one of the most important things uh, in, in being a good leader is to, is to create a vision. Vision-making is important. And it's important not, not when your organization gets to be big. It's important when your organization is small. You have to start creating a vision for where you want to go when you have very few people because when you have a lot of people, they're going to fill in the blanks. You know, if you start creating vision for the organization when you have 1,000 people working for the organization, it's too late. Mm. You've got to start when you have one person working for the organization. And so it's, it, vision-making is critical. Uh, I, I sort of um, I compare it to, to it's sort of a metaphor that I have of, of, of uh, um, a forest. Let's say your job was to create a path through a forest. So you have to cut down some trees and create a path through a forest. And this is, this is a... Um, you know, metaphorical forest, so for everybody who loves trees, I'm not really talking about cutting them down on right. theory. Okay, so, so you're cutting, you, you, you create this forest, you create this path. All right, so 
you know, if you have a business and that's your business and you start cutting down the trees, you're creating this path and business is good and you start hiring people and now you bring in uh, trucks to haul things out and you have a food truck and you're managing all of these people, that leadership. The answer is no, that's management. Leadership is about finding the tallest tree in the forest, climbing to the top, looking over the horizon, calling down to everyone and saying, that way. Yeah. That's the direction we're going to go, and here's why. Because you can't see it, but there's a little river off to the side here, and then there's a mountain over there, and so this is the direction we want to go. And then you've you got to climb down and pick up an axe and help them out. You've got to get back in there and, and be working in the business a little as well as on the business. But leadership is about working on the business and creating vision-making and climbing the tallest tree from time to time and looking out over the horizon and Telling people what direction you want to go and why, and and you maybe you can only see a year out in the you know through the forest, but but you're you're ahead of it, and you, as you get better and better, you find taller and taller trees, and you're able to see further and further in the horizon, and that's what makes a great leader is vision making. Well, with that, we're going to close the show today, Ivan. Thank you so much for being with us, and I know people will want to know more about you and your upcoming book. So how can they learn more? Well, anyone that's interested in BNI can go to BNI.com. Uh, we have, like I said, 6,100 groups, uh, almost 50 countries around the world. BNI.com stands for Business Network International. Uh, and then uh, I uh, come visit my blog uh, with the gender book, BusinessNetworkingInSex.com. Uh, we have some fun stuff up there. Uh, and uh, go uh, check it out and and watch what we've got. We have a lot of videos. My co-authors are very, <laughs> very entertaining. They are. Uh, we, <laughs> they really are. So I think your your listeners will love it. Uh, the whole book is done as in three segments. The survey says, which is me, the data guy, uh, and then he says, she says, and so Frank does the male perspective on the data, and Hazel does the female perspective on the data, and that's the way the whole book is laid out. So businessnetworkingandsex.com. That's great. Ivan, thank you for being with us today, Dr. Ivan Meisner. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you, Sheila. And remember, everyone, to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.